0: Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au While well, the offering is being collected, if you can um, do two things at once, give to two other offering, get your Bible and open up to Numbers chapter 12 um, and we're going to continue our series today. On acceptable sin. How many sins are acceptable? None. Excellent. Few more people answered this week than last week, so that's good. We're building up to it, getting the uh, the picture. And someone said, you know, is, is laziness actually a sin? I've had the conversation with some people. Is laziness a sin? Is gluttony a sin, or is it a temptation that leads to sin? Like, where where's the line? Paul writes to the church at Rome and says, um, anything without faith, is sin. I'll read it for you. But the man who, he's talking about uh, doing what condemns you and what is against your conscience in following God, and he says, but the man who has doubts is condemned if he eats because his eating is not from faith, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. That's quite kind of challenging, isn't it? Everything that does not come from faith is sin. Anything that does not come from my absolute trust and hope and dependence on God and His goodness is sin. So if my laziness is actually hindering me from stepping into the fullness of all that God has called me to do, who He's called me to be, it's a sin. If the actions that I take, the words that I speak, the things that I think about are not based on my faith and my relationship with God it's a sin. That's quite confronting when we think about it and think about um, what is the sin in my life? And so throughout this series we just want to ask the question and look at some of the things that we deem, we, we might not say they're acceptable but we, by our practice of not actually confronting them, we give them space in our lives and say these things are okay it's okay for this to have space in my life it's okay to be lazy it's okay to be a glutton and to be you know to be excessive in what we consume and today we get to talk about gossip i've had a couple of people say i'm not coming on sunday <laughs> why not all right i'm going to pray Jesus, help us. Amen. All right. So last week we talked about gluttony. And uh, for those of you that, whether you're here or not, um, you got to miss out on it. If you weren't here, you missed out on me getting to eat M&Ms and chips as part of the message. Doesn't that sound fantastic? Who was here last week? Wasn't it delightful? No. The crazy thing was, though, that I had, I ate a few M&Ms as part of the message and then the sugar hit me and then I was... I was jittery. And uh, I left more than half a bag of M&Ms up here. And I was sitting here and a few people came. I was talking to someone. A few people came up and helped themselves. And that was fine. There would have been more than half a bag. Now, I would think that this is a church community. We are all honourable, trustworthy people. Wouldn't you make that same assumption? I left the bag on the front seat. I went out to the foyer, more conversation, more talking, cup of coffee. And then one of my children brings the bag to me, well probably half an hour later, it was nearly empty. So soon I'll have to preach on stealing. (laughs) But it's okay. Because they're still on special Woolworths for five dollars. I won't eat them now, but it's okay. I'm not going without, okay? I just want you to know I'm not going without. I'm, I might share them afterwards. Don't pinch my M&Ms. I love my M&Ms. It's okay. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about gossip. Doesn't that sound fun? How about these Proverbs, chapter 18, verse 21? Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. That's really confronting, isn't it? I uh, this, this week I was sitting near a group of mums, it was three mums, and they were having a conversation and I didn't have to be too close or lean in too hard to hear it. And they were talking about their teenage children, and one of the mums was commenting about boys and what boys are like and how they communicate and how they get along with each other. And then they started talking about their teenage daughters. Now, this is not my opinion, I'm just letting you know, I'm just repeating what happened, okay? And the, the, one of the mums, uh, they were complaining about their teenage daughters, and they were complaining about, I won't use the language that they used, you'll get the gist, they were complaining about how much their daughters complained. And I thought, I think we've found the problem. <laughs> like, no, no judgment, but it strikes me that we hold our children to this high standard, this high regard, this high regard, and say, this is how you're to respect each other, this is how you to interact with people, this is how you to speak about other people, this is how when you go to school, this is how you play with other kids at school, this is how you speak to your teachers. We do all this to our children. We lay down the law and say, this is how you're to interact. But then we, somewhere along the line, we think that it's a different set of rules for us adults. And we think that even if we're not doing it in front of our children, and more and more, I think that we do. I think we exhibit this negative behavior. We speak, particularly we speak what we speak and how we speak. We do that in front of our children and then expect our children to play by a different set of rules and have this idea of, it's, it's a case of, you know, do as I do, don't do as I say, or, or it might be the other way around. But actually, what we are teaching our children, we're doing it by example. And so our children grow up thinking, oh, it's actually, it's okay to complain because that's what I see from my parents. It's okay to drag other people down because that's what I've seen exhibited. And I'm not saying that every parent is like this. It just struck me there where I was watching this conversation. I I don't even know the mums. I was just struck by this conversation where they're complaining about how much their children complained, while they're complaining about their children. We spoke a few months ago, looking at the text from Matthew 18, where Jesus says to his disciples and those listening, he says, if your brother or sister are fa- sins, go and speak to them, take it up with them. If, that, if you get no response, if they don't repent, if, if there's no forgiveness and repentance, get two or three witnesses and go and speak to that person with witnesses, that it would be resolved amongst you. If that doesn't work, go to the church. Go to the church and let the church know. If that doesn't work, treat them as a pagan or a tax collector. How did Jesus treat pagans and tax collectors? Absolute love. Absolute love. Didn't give them the same kind of influence and involvement in his own life, but he loved them and extended grace and forgiveness. We can get so caught up in having these list of ideals, these set of ideals, these set of values, but we don't actually exhibit them for those that are coming after us to follow. Yet, as we're doing throughout this whole series, if we examine the different aspects of our lives, and it's not because I'm standing up here and saying don't gossip, gossip is bad, gossip is ungodly, gossip is a sin, I don't want you to stop gossiping or whatever because I say it. For all of us, for me included, the idea is that we go away and we spend time with Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, can you reveal the area in my life where I might be committing this sin? Holy Spirit, can you reveal to me where I'm not acting in faith? Not just to be convinced by the speaker, but to be convinced by the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Here's a few other proverbs. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the innermost parts. What you think and what you say will end up affecting you biologically, physical, physiologically, physically. Gossip is like poison, not only to the wider church body, but to our own bodies. Proverbs eleven thirteen, a gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. Proverbs sixteen twenty eight, a perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. Proverbs twenty verse nineteen a gossip betrays confidence. So avoid anyone who talks too much. Avoid anyone who talks too much. Please don't leave while I'm speaking this morning. Some of you are thinking about it. I could feel it. That's made the Holy Spirit convict you. All right, Numbers chapter 12. Are you there? Three of us, good. So here's a conversation between um, Miriam and Aaron. Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he'd married a Cushite. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked. Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Wow. At once the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, My office, now, come out to the tent... Uh, That's not in there, I'm sorry, I've thrown some people. Come out to the tent of meeting all three of you. So the three of them came out. Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud. He stood at the entrance to the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. When both of them stepped forward, he said, Listen to my words. When a prophet of the Lord is among you, I reveal myself to him in visions. I speak to him in dreams, but this is not true of my servant Moses. He's faithful in all my house. With him I speak face to face clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? The anger of the Lord burned against them and he left them. Don't you wonder sometimes, if the Lord continued to operate like this, how many problems would still deal with. If we actually spoke against our brothers and sisters, if the Lord actually came down and He said, you two, I want to have a word, and appeared to us in a pillar of cloud and spoke to us, like if we were face to face with the Lord and He says, don't speak about my servant like that, how many conversations would that cut out? how convicted would we be? The the, the truth of the matter is that we don't have the Lord appearing, manifesting in a pillar of cloud to speak to us face to face. What we have is the Holy Spirit. If you are a follower of Jesus and you receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Saviour, you are filled with the Holy Spirit and He is the one inside you to convict you of what is of God and what is not of God. And we can be really good at just turning that voice down and ignoring it because like the proverbs um the author of the proverbs says uh, proverbs 18 verse 8 the words of a gossip are like choice morsels they go down to the inmost parts have you ever been listening to somebody and what they're telling you is is like really juicy and you're like somewhere inside you either in your mind or in your heart you're thinking I kind of feel like I probably shouldn't be listening to this, but it's really good. Have you had that experience? Or are we all just such dedicated followers of Jesus that never happens? I'm so, look, I I heard gossip in this house last Sunday. Maybe I should have turned around and said, that's not on, that's not helpful. And part of it is, like we've said before, the world is not playing by our rule book. The world does what the world does, but the world is not being led by the Holy Spirit in spirit and in truth. We are are guided by by faith and our faith in Jesus Christ, the one who saves us and redeems us, the one who calls us to, to obey him and to be baptized in his name And to be filled with the Spirit that we would be convicted when we actually step out of line. The world is not filled with the Holy Spirit. We, you and I, as followers of Jesus, are filled with the Holy Spirit. So the world, that conversation I heard between the three mums, three mums that, I don't know if they've got a relationship with Jesus or not, that conversation I hear in the foyer between two people who I know are followers of Jesus, that's not on. Here we have Moses and Aaron. They're not talking to the Lord. They're not even talking to Aaron. They're having a conversation between the two of them saying, why does Moses get all the good luck? Why does he get all the fun? Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he also spoken through us? Do you know the crazy thing is that if you go back to when um, the Lord calls Moses uh, the burning bush, and he calls Moses and Moses says this chapter and a half exchange conversation between Moses and God. And Moses is basically saying, please, God, send somebody else. I can't speak. I'm not eloquent. Get somebody else to do it. And God says, all right, all right. God was getting angry at Moses, which is fascinating in itself. And he says, all right, I will get your brother Aaron and you will give him the words to speak. You will put your words in his mouth and you will be like God to the Egyptians. So Aaron was the mouthpiece for Moses. And now here he is with Miriam, saying, hasn't he also spoken through us, complaining because of something that Moses had done? Our our sinful ways, and and gossip is a part of this, can so waylay us from the truth that we should hold on to, that we get distracted, we, we forget who we are and what we have through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. And this is what gossip does, whether, whether it's true or not, because in, in gossiping, I am shifting your perception of how you see another person. If I go to Doug, dear Douglas, hello, Doug, how are you? It's nice to see you. If I go to Doug... And I start having a conversation, whether it's, and I would say whether it's nice or not nice, okay? Whether it's positive or negative, whether it's truth or a lie. And if I start talking to Doug about Ross and say, Doug, Ross is jealous of your beard growing abilities. No, I don't think so either. I was just making something up on the spot, man. Give me, I'm jealous of you both. So that's a different story. But if I say to him, if I talk to Doug about Ross, that then shifts in Doug's mind how he sees Ross and also how he shifts me. Because depending on the relationship that Doug and Ross already have will will change Doug's perception of Ross. If Doug already has an issue with Ross that hasn't been resolved or there's some hurt or tension there, all i'm doing is aiding doug's case against ross does that make sense and so doug's over here and he's like well i didn't like ross anyways because he's got red hair he can play guitar and sing at the same time so whatever and then i come over and say doug ross can grow a a better beard than you he's like excellent that's one more thing i'm sorry ross I, just, I had to, in a moment. That, yeah, I know. I had to choose people that I knew could take it. Thanks, men. That's one more thing. Doug's like, yep, here's the reason I don't like Ross. And here's another reason. Here's another reason. Here's another reason. And all it's doing is building up this case against Ross so Doug has more and more reason to not actually go and resolve it and to restore the relationship. And we've talked before in this series about the call that we have to be ministers of reconciliation. That as we have been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, we now have that same ministry to reconcile the world to Jesus. An awesome, incredible privilege that we have. But in gossip, when I go and speak to one brother about another brother, or one sister about another sister, or whatever the case may be, I'm not reconciling anybody to anything. And I'm just driving wedges between people. I'm not advancing the gospel. I'm not sharing the kingdom. I am doing nothing near the work of God in my life. And it is really, really easy. Bless you. And do you know what? I can get on my phone, I can get on my computer, and I can gossip online all day long. And there are no apparent consequences or repercussions for me. I can get on Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, YouTube, I can get on YouTube and complain until the cows come home and I can spread that and share that. And people might think it's funny, people might think it's humorous because I might be funny in the way that I gossip about people or the way that I talk about people and because it's funny or oh, it goes down a bit easier, but underlying the funny nature of what I'm saying is a truth that people take a hold of and then this lie kind of just spreads. Let me, let me give you a name and just see what your response is. Donald Trump. Wow, (laughs) that was interesting. So uh, show your hand, how many of you met Donald Trump? None of us. All right, raise your hand, raise your hand. How many don't like Donald Trump? Be honest, all right, No, no judgment, no condemnation, right here, right now. How many, come on, put your hand up, own it, don't like Donald Trump. So you don't like a man that you've never ever met. Based on what? Based on the media. Now, look, I could go down the whole kind of discourse about media and fake news and whatever. How much of Donald's life do you get to see through the media? Most of it? Do you reckon? If you've never met the man, you do not know the man. Somebody asked me out of coffee with a friend of mine a few weeks ago. Somebody said to me, What do you think of Benny Hinn? Some of you would know Benny Hinn. Crazy evangelist, incredible ministry. And I've only seen some of his stuff from a distance. And I said, Never met him. It's like, yeah, good answer. Because we can build up a case against anybody and they might be famous people like Donald Trump or Benny Hinn or Bill Johnson or Brian Houston or Mother Teresa or Princess Di or whoever. Jesus. And never meet the person. I would say, my, I'm thinking out loud, if You and I are basing what we think about a person on what we hear about a person with having never met the person we are operating from gossip. And you can take all the snippets about Donald Trump and what he's said in the past and what he hasn't said. What he's done, what he hasn't done. What does the Bible call us to do for those in authority? Respect them and pray for them. How are we teaching that to the next generation if we don't like a person that we've never met? Are we teaching the next generation and the generation after that to pray for our leaders? How many of us have gone home on a Sunday and had roast pasta for lunch? With the side of mashed worship leader Sorry, I'm hungry. <laughs> I've got to stop talking about food in my messages. But how many times have we done that? We go home, we're not actually thinking about, oh, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through what I heard this morning, through the word that we read? What are You uh, you move me during worship, Lord, or I encountered you in this way. We don't have those conversations. We, we, maybe we do more and more. Here's my encouragement that we don't actually just you know, rate the service out of 10 and, and say which parts we liked and which parts we didn't like. Because in all honesty, and this is just one example, in all honesty, none of this is for you. None of this is for me. This is all for Jesus. All for Jesus. I love you, but I'm not here for you. I'm here because this is what Jesus has called me to do. Now, the privilege and the responsibility and the incredible um, job that I get to do is that I get to do life with you. And with some of you, that's to a different extent, but with a number of you, I get to have incredibly intense, deep-moving conversations about what God's doing in your life, where you've been hurt, how you can move forward. But it's all for Jesus. And if this is all for Jesus, then how can we, as sons and daughters of God, Gossip about what we like, what we don't like, what that person said, what that person didn't say, whether we liked that song, whether we didn't like that song, whether the lights were too bright, whether it was too loud. Gossip. I don't know who said it originally, but someone wise somewhere along the way said, if you're not a part of the solution, you're a part of the problem. And that's really confronting because there's so many things that we can look at and go, man, that's, that's really bad. I don't like the way that it's done. There's stuff in this church, in this ministry, I don't like the way that it's done. Not in a condemning way, but I think, oh, we could actually do that better. But I can get on my high horse and complain about it and talk to other people and gossip about it and, and moan and groan, or I can go, okay, how can I be a part of making it better? How can I be a part of the solution. This is our responsibility. Turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you've been to a wedding ever, you'll know it. I want to encourage us as as individuals and as a church community to think not only today but to think about how we talk about other people and I think part of it is it's easy to talk about somebody else than it is to talk about myself and and I know that because if I'm in a one-on-one conversation with somebody I would much rather you talk about you than me talk about me but if I get together and all we do is talk about somebody that's not in this conversation, we're not actually getting to know each other. How can we be ministers of reconciliation if we're not building up relationship and knowledge of one another if all we do is spend time talking about other people? Here's my encouragement, church. In your conversations today, to say to one another, how are you? And listen for the answer. And don't, please don't say good or well. I was brought up to not say good, to say well. To actually find out how the other person is really going in their mind, in their heart, in their body and slow down from moving on to talk about other people that aren't even there for the conversation. Here's Paul writing to the church at Corinth. I feel like we should do a wedding every time I read this. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I don't have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give... All I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast. But I do not have love. I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. What strikes me is that Paul writes that letter to a Christian community and he says, if I speak in tongues, if I pray in tongues, if I prophesy, if I can fathom mysteries and understanding, if I have incredible faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, then all of that is worthless. All of those things that he just mentioned are wonderful, incredible, godly things that we're actually called to do and be, to, to speak in tongues, to prophesy to one another, to prophesy to the world of the goodness of God, to move mountains with absolute faith. We're called to do those things. And Paul says, those incredible godly things, those things of the kingdom, if I don't do those with love, doesn't mean anything. So what does it say about the things that we don't do with love that aren't a part of the kingdom? They're less than this. So in our conversations with each, with each other, and even to go beyond the, 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 the how are you and the general day-to-day, of how life is what if we were as sons and daughters of god filled with the holy spirit to say lord what is it that you want to say to this person how do you see this person that i'm speaking to if you start to do that you might think oh i'm not going to hear anything if you start to go to a conversation if i'm going to have a conversation with ross and as i go to have the conversation with ross i say lord what is it what is your word for ross And I go into the conversation with Ross with that mindset, it will shift Ross and it will shift me. And it will change our lives. Because I go to this conversation and I hear from the Lord before I hear a word out of Ross's mouth. Because Ross, how Ross sees himself, might not even be how God sees him. But I go to have a conversation with Ross and I hear he's a strong man. Not just on the outside, on the inside. He's a strong man. He's a good man. He's a man of integrity. He's a man of honor. He's a man who speaks and seeks the truth. He's a man that puts other people first. So I go into this conversation, this encounter of hearing those words of strength and integrity, and he comes to me and says, oh, I've had a really bad week. I don't feel like I'm doing anything right. I don't feel like I'm following God well. I don't feel like I'm spending time with him well enough. But I know how God sees him, which is greater than how he sees himself. Does that make sense? It will change our lives. It will change this community. It will change the world. If we could actually engage one-on-one with authenticity and godliness and hearing the voice of God for each other rather than just talking about other people and other things. Practically speaking, I, I know that we need to process stuff. I know that we might have an awkward relationship or something go wrong and we're like, how do I talk about it? How do I talk about it without it being gossip? And so I'll, I will go to Narelle and I'll say, I'm, I'm working through something. I need to talk about it to process it, to see, do I need to do something? Do they need to do something? How, how I'm going to do that? And that's the frame of mind that I go into the con- conversation with. Because I don't want to just go in with the spirit of complaint. Because if I just go and complain to Narelle about somebody else in my life, that doesn't actually shift my heart and my mindset toward that person. So I want to process it and hear, particularly if I want to hear from Narelle, because I trust her and I know her and she knows me, and she can say, actually, you're being immature. Actually, you haven't heard them properly. Actually, you need to ask this question. I'm like, okay, I don't always like it but I'm trusting her to speak truth into the situation and to not get caught up in a spirit of gossip and complaint. And so then I can go back to that person, having worked it through here, having knowing what's mine and what's theirs and have this conversation and say, hey, that other day we had this conversation, it felt really awkward and this is where I was coming from, where were you coming from? And we can actually work to resolve it rather than me just going home and complaining. Try and have a conversation without talking about somebody else that's not there. How many times do we veil gossip in prayer? How many times do we go to somebody, to a brother or sister, and say, oh, I, wanna, I, I want your prayer for something, Do you know, sometimes I think we pray about stuff that we don't need to pray about. You might think, what? We're meant to pray all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Pray ceaselessly. Even if it's just, help me Jesus, help me Jesus, blood of Jesus, help me Jesus. But sometimes I think we pray for somebody or we pray because something's upset us when actually the mandate is that we just go and talk to the person. You don't necessarily need a conversation with your life group in order to resolve a difficulty in your life. I'm speaking really generally here. And I just want to encourage us, all of us, me and you, if you're a follower of Jesus, to resolve conversations with people face-to-face, one-on-one in relationship and dialogue, rather than to enter into a spirit of gossip and complaint. Gossip is a tool of the enemy that distracts us from being who we were called to be, who we were made to be, and doing what we were made to do. The enemy loves it. Loves it when we're distracted from the mission that we have on our lives as ministers of reconciliation. Loves it when we build up a case within our own minds, our own hearts, against other people, that means, well, I don't have to go and talk to them because they're less than rather than seeing each other through the lens of the Lord and going, do you know what? That person is a child of God. I'm going to do my utmost to restore right relationship with them.